Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. This is a podcast produced by Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas and is our midweek refresh on our Sunday sermon series. This week was our third installment of our Romans series. If you have not yet been able to listen to or see the sermon, you can from our website, desertspringchurch.com. Today we have two of Desert Springs finest. We have Lindsay Hurley. Hello. And Katie Falter. Hello. And I want to thank both of you. You're both returning guests, so I want to thank you for having the opportunity to have you back. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to read, uh, we'll have two uh, passages from Romans, one which is our memory verse for this week, and uh, the other for the devotional. So first we have Romans 3, 23 through 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And in uh, our memory verse, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were all sinners, Christ died for us. And Pastor David starts the devotional today saying, During my recent sermons, I talked about the problem Paul brings describing in his letter to the church in Rome, sin. Then beginning in chapter 3, verse 24 and following, he talks about the solution to sin as grace. Think about this for a moment. Think about how different this is from the ways the world solves problems. In the world, when someone does something wrong, the solution is to punish the person so the person, quote, will learn their lesson. But Paul tells us that God's solution is to respond with grace so that the person will, quote, do better and live a better life. Reflect for a moment on the difference between responding to sin with punishment versus responding with grace. Lindsay, do you have anything with this? I love this because I think it correlates really well with parenting. Mm. So there's different types of parenting. And for our family, we use gentle parenting, which I think goes along really well with this. And when my children stumble, when they make mistakes, you catch them in the lie. I think it's really important to respond in grace, just the way Jesus would respond to us in sin, to make sure we're not yelling and we're not shaming, but trying to talk through and understand, um, which is how Jesus kind of interacts with us in in our prayers Mm -hmm. and stuff. There's, There's never a moment where for me, at least, there's never a moment I feel when I stumble in faith, I don't feel like God is up there shaking his fist in the air and being like, mm-hmm. you should never have done this. Instead, it's much more of an open arm policy where he's like, no matter what you have done, you can still run to our open arms. I like that. What about you, Katie? Yeah, I'm on the same lines as Lindsay. Sorry, it took me a moment to figure out what words I was going to say. But parenting, I have three kids. I have a boy, just one boy, and then two girls. And my son, Lyndon, he's my difficult child that will probably put me in a mental hospital one day. (laughs) And even though he causes a lot of problems, we're not gentle parents. I wish we were, but I end up yelling at them a little more than I should when they do things. Like when he was younger, his number one thing to do was take diaper cream and just like spread it all over his head, his body, the walls, everywhere. And then drawing on the walls, wherever he could just get into that sort of trouble. Yeah. Yelling at him 
it it doesn't work because he one starts breaking down crying even right. if it's something simple and even if we try because we're trying to approach things gentle with him as soon as he knows he does something wrong you're like lyndon why did you do this he just goes i'm so sorry i didn't mean to and so i've have to learn that yeah you can't just be bad punishment or hard punishment for the thing that you did wrong even if it is something like coloring on the walls or like that so we have to learn to approach it gently and be soft with him because then he'll just start crying and i love that both of you bring up parenting because as you know young parents yourself i don't have any kids Mm -hmm. um but i think my answer also kind of evolves from the way my parents parented yes and uh so i you know when when reviewing this i kind of wrote down it's so much more inviting when people treat you with respect and grace Mm -hmm. and i kind of see that in in your kids the way that they respond it seems uh, as well right yeah um and i i wrote down a a passage from matthew matthew 18 21 through 22 then peter came up and said to him lord how many times shall my brother sin against me and and i still forgive him up to seven times Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Um, and Pastor David has brought this up in preaching in the past um, and how it's kind of an, you know, forgiveness is kind of an unlimited uh, kind of thing. You know, and it's mm-hmm. not so many times that you forgive. Um, and I really do think that that kind of plays into that grace as opposed to, you know, punishment uh, I- ideal. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you, too. Yes. And, and I totally get the drawing on the walls because both <laughs> of my kids have done it. And I actually have a video from when Sawyer was, she was probably two or three, about a year and a half ago. And I was in the shower and she grabbed a crayon and she just made a line all the way down the hallway and all the way back up. (laughs) And I took a video and I thought it was so funny. And I'm, I'm videotaping her and I handed her a washcloth and I was like, Sawyer, are we supposed to draw on the walls? She's like, no. I was like, okay, well, since we did, what can we do to fix this? And she's like, I clean it. And I'm like, that's such a good idea. Let's clean it together. And we just kind of made a game of it and made it kind of like a silly thing. So she still understood like, okay, I can't do this again. But there was no shame. We were laughing. We were cleaning it up together um, because I had to step back and I couldn't like see red and be like, oh my gosh, my walls. Cause at the end of the day, it's crayons. I think both of my kids understand, um, everything in our house is replaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, especially being a mom of young children and we have a mini zoo at our house. So between the kids and the animals, everything is replaceable. We don't purchase really nice items. Um, so I'll be, I'll be laying in bed and I heard a glass break the other day And I was like, I just took a deep breath and I'm like, okay, what am I going to go out and find? And I just hear little voices from the kitchen. Don't worry, mom, we got it. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but it's glass. So maybe I should get it. Yeah. Yeah, So just parenting and grace, just taking that really big, deep breath before you handle a situation, because that's, that's how God handles us in our um, step from grace. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Pastor continues, he says, I remember when I was a boy, I threw water balloons at a passing car. My Sunday school teacher happened to be driving the car, and although I didn't know it at the time, she recognized me. The next time I saw her, it quickly became evident that she knew what I had done and quickly became certain I was going to get in trouble. However, instead of accusing me, she simply gave me a great big hug. At that moment, I experienced forgiving grace, and it has stuck with me ever since. 
And he actually describes this in his sermons as a never see the light of day again kind of hug. And I love that because he's describing it in a way that he felt it was, right? He was a small child and he got this great big hug from her. And that feeling has now kind of followed him throughout his life with that memory. And I yes. really like that too, if you've ever listened to that sermon. He says, in your life, have you experienced grace at a time that you expected punishment? How did it impact you? Have you ever offered grace at a time when you could have chosen punishment? And how did you feel? Okay, so I'll take the first question. Um, and it goes back to the workplace. Mm. So I remember my very first job. I was 15. I was working at Justice, the little girl's clothing store. I had never had a job before. And my boss gave me a printout that we got from corporate. And she circled a picture on it. And she goes, I need you to dress all the mannequins while I'm gone. And I'm 15 and she just leaves the store. So I'm like alone in the store. I'm handling customers. And I was like, I'm going to do such a good job at this. And I take it and I dress every single mannequin. There was probably 10. And she came back in and her her jaw just hit the floor. And she's looking around. She's like, Lindsay, what did you do? (laughs) And I was like, I dressed the mannequin. And she's like, yes, but you dressed all 10 of them in the same outfit. (laughs) And I was like, is that not what I was supposed to do? And she's looking at me like, has that ever been what a store does? No. And she's like, I gave you a paper. And I was like, yeah, you, you circled a picture. She goes, no, I circled the whole picture. And in my mind, my eyes just got drawn to the center mannequin. So I just, I went around, I dressed every single one of them the exact same. And I was like, oh no, I had just started. I'm like, I'm within my 30 days. I'm going to get fired. She's going to think I'm so dumb. And she just laughed it off. And she's like, it's totally fine. She's like, it's a mistake. It's your first time. She's like, take all the mannequins back down and let's get them changed the right way. And it was really nice because in my mind, I was like, I'm sure I wasn't sweating, but in my mind, I'm like seeing sweat pour down my face. And I'm like, oh my God, you're like deep breathing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. I'm getting fired. And she just was able to laugh it off and be like, it's okay. You're still learning. It's fine. And I really appreciated her willingness to let me learn workplace values um, under her care in the workplace. And you had just started this job? I had just started. I was I was 15. My mom was still dropping me off. I couldn't even drive to work yet. So very fresh meat. So that probably set the tone as far as your experience in that workplace too, because it was so new to you. It did. You know, if she were to react in a different way, it might have soured your opinion on the workplace in general, huh? Yes. And it, the whole time I worked there, it was very kind and welcoming because that was not the first time or that was the first time I made the mistake, but that was not the last time I made mistakes there. And every time I would sell something on the floor that shouldn't have been sold or I didn't put things in the right spot, I was always met with grace Mm -hmm. and it made the work environment very enjoyable. Sure. And it wasn't a stress fee. There was never a time when I was like, oh, man, I just really don't want to go to work today. It was just a really enjoyable environment. And that made all the difference of my first job experience of when you want to go to work because you look forward to seeing the people. You look forward to being there and growing around people. Right. As opposed to an environment where you're just not happy there. Mm -hmm. And it makes all the difference in your mental health and your physical health. I I oh, never yeah. had that upset stomach going into work. I just felt really comfortable like I belonged there. Right. That's great. What about you, Katie? So mine's a little more recent, and I don't know if it really is a good one to go off of this, but it's the first one that popped into my mind. Okay. Is we own fish 
I wanted a big, huge goldfish, mm-hmm. like a $100 goldfish for like the longest time ever. But my husband was military and we lived in Japan and England and buying fish and then trying to sell them just wasn't ideal. So we finally bought fish in October. Mm-hmm. And I got this one really big one. It's huge. And the same as Halloween. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's black and orange. Well, it's more black and white with a little bit of orange on it. But it's, yeah. Awesome. Um, I had to get two other fish that I'm not that fond of. But I'm like, okay. Because my (laughs) husband's like, well, why don't you get some more? I'm like, okay, fine. I'll get some more. So I found him more. But there are lots of work. Like way more work than you would think they are. Yeah. And we thought, okay, we can just change their water like twice a month that'd be fine and christmas time came and i did it probably like once that month that was a big big mistake because <laughs> their water just got so green uh-huh. and you couldn't see through it at all oh, and my no. husband was like you need to clean that fish tank because i want the fish so they're my responsibility I'm like okay fine i'll clean the fish tank and this was the first time i was doing it without him and i'm like Instead of taking out four buckets, because that only, like, takes out half the water, I'm going to go as low as I can without having to take the fish out of the fish tank. (laughs) And so I do that. And then the filter that does the waterfall thing, that stopped. Stopped doing the waterfall thing. I'm like, okay, well, this should be fine. Once I put water back in, it will start working. No, the water didn't. Start doing the waterfall thing. I'm like, oh, crap, my husband is going to be so pissed. Oh, no. Because he's the type of guy, if you break something... And you have to spend more money on something that you just bought, which we bought this in October. So it wasn't that old. I'm like, he's not going to be happy with having to spend another 50 bucks on a new filter. So (laughs) I called PetSmart and I just described to the guy, I'm like, listen, this is what happened. Can you help me? Because if you can't, I'm going to have to come in there, find you. You're going to have to help me find this filter. And then I'll come home and replace it so my husband never knows this happened. (laughs) 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 Like freaking out. But thankfully, the guy in PetSmart, he's like, We've been through this. We're here for this. I got you. And it started working. I'm like, okay, thank you so much. Because he like, I feel like he saved me. And then I told my husband, he's like, it would have been fine. The fish would have been fine for like a day or two without a filter until we bought a new one or come up with a better solution. I'm like, well, I thought you were going to be so mad at me and stuff. So I is freaking out. And I think for the fish's sake, you you chose right. Yes, I did. Um, I couldn't think of a specific uh, one, but what I did write down was that I have experienced that in many ways. And the feeling for me is always one of relief or kind of a weight off my shoulders, more comfortableness when someone gives me the grace that I didn't necessarily deserve. And it reminds me to be gracious because of how gracious you know Jesus was in his teachings. Um, and so it's kind of a reminder that way of, of what I need to do sometimes because I know other people do it for me. Um, Pastor continues. He says, last Sunday, I began my sermon talking about the righteousness of God. God is a just God. God always does the right thing. Think of your highest ideal of goodness, and that gives you a glimpse into the righteousness of God. Or look at Jesus's life, and you will see the clearest revelation of God's righteousness. What is it about Jesus's life that you find most compelling? I find... um, and I kind of talked about it before, but I find Jesus's compassion for everyone, even in the midst of norms of the day or in the face of norms of the day. Um, you know, a lot of times um, the stories that resonate for me are the stories in which Jesus is going above and beyond of what the cultural norms of that day 
would have expected him to, you know, you know, the leper stories, those kind of things. What about you? So we, I feel like we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school with the teenagers. We read over a little play and it was about a judge that was residing over a criminal. And I read it out loud and I was asking the teenagers what their opinions were. And basically in the story, the judge saw the evidence laid out and the man is clearly guilty. There's the evidence is is right there. There's no way he's getting out of this. But in the same sense, the judge can see that the prisoner is very, very sorry. He regrets ever doing it. And the judge can't let him off the hook because he did do it. And so instead, the judge lays down the punishment and he walks out and he immediately pays the man's bail. So I was asking the teenagers how that made them feel. And it was it led to a really interesting conversation with all of them because right at first the teenagers wanted to know what the crime was. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, does it matter? And right at first they're like, of course it matters. They're like, did they steal from target where it's a big box chain store that has insurance or did they steal from a mom and pop shop? And I was like, well, does that matter to you? And they're like, yeah, because the mom and pop shop feel it, but target doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, okay, interesting. And I said, okay, well, what if they stole from two mom and pop shops, but one of them, they stole money out of the cash register and one of them, they stole some precious jewels. Does that make a difference? And they started to kind of see where I was going with this. And one of the kids said, well, if it was a bottle of wine from a big box store, not only did they steal the money, but they stole the time because some wine can take up to 12 years to, to be in a barrel before it's sold. These are some insightful kids. They are. It they were they were coming up with with situations that I have never I never contemplated because they kept asking me, they're like, what did the guy do? And I'm like, I don't know. My paper doesn't tell me what he does. I'm like, we can make something up. I don't know. And they were just really going back and forth. And what started as a conversation of it definitely matters what he did. And we kind of talked through it. And then we they were able to relate that. Well, at the end of the day, stealing is stealing. And it doesn't matter if the person has the insurance to replace it so they don't feel it in their pocket. It doesn't matter if they took the keys to the register and that person now has to close their store down. Either way, the action of stealing was wrong. So we talked about how God loves us in our sin. And I, I brought it back to, listen, God loves me in my sin when I raise my voice at my children. And when I feel like I'm not having the patience that God would want me to have with my children, he loves me in my sin the same way he loves the robber in their sin, robbing a bank. And it was really awesome to see kind of the eye-opening realizations that the teenagers were having that no matter what we do, God is still going to love us in our sin and he's still going to give us the grace. And I said, listen, God is going to welcome you with open arms, whether you lived your life as perfect as you could, or you lived your life making poor choices, but you still had faith in God. At the end of the day, we're still, as long as we accept Jesus into our heart, we're still going to end up in the same place together. It's not a competition. I said, God is going to wash my feet the way he washed somebody in prison's feet. 
we're no we're the same people in his eyes because we're all of God's children. He loves us no matter what. So having that conversation with with the teenagers was really awesome to see firsthand. And I think that's what sets us apart from God is that we in our in our human form we still have the we still have our boundaries and we still have those things that we can't forgive, but that's because we're human and God is God and he's able to forgive us for no matter no matter how we fall. Exactly. Well, so then the next question says, what is it about Jesus's life that you would most like to emulate and why? I I just wrote down the short and sweet compassion and forgiveness. <laughs> that's what I said. I I think my answers would be the same, especially now that I've become a parent. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I relate everything back to um, back to parenting. And I, I try to wake up each day and choose grace and kindness and gentleness um, because I know that God chooses that for me. So I really try hard to be Christ-like in that way. Um, and also God's welcomingness. I think that is such an awesome quality to have and to practice because being op- being welcoming sometimes is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, especially if you're introverted, if you're not used to being out in big crowds, if you're in new places. Sometimes it's really hard to be open and welcoming, and sometimes it's not easy to be welcomed into different situations. And I think that's something that I really strive to work on is whenever I come into a room or into a new situation, I try to make sure I'm the first one to announce my name. Because for me, it's so much easier to relate to someone or to spark conversation with someone if I know their name. Right. So going up to a random stranger and be like, hey, instead of going up and be like, hey, Katie, and starting, I feel like for me, it makes a world of difference. So I always try to announce my name. So at least one other person can feel that I'm approachable. That's and I try to make sure that I, I'm approaching those that are kind of standing on the outside and, and don't have anybody to talk to. So I think his welcomeness um, is something I really try to practice uh, in my day-to-day life. Excellent. What about you, Kim? The same as you guys. <laughs> but like you said, with the welcoming, I'm trying to get better about that because I'm a shy and quiet person. So when I go somewhere new, I don't really go up to people unless they come to me and are like, oh, hey, hi, how are you? This is my name and stuff. And then we do that little exchange. So I'm trying to. Pastor continues, he says, in my sermon, I also talked about atonement. Atonement is the name of the theology that tries to describe the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion. In Romans, Paul points to the four different ways for us to think about the meaning of the cross. He talked about Jesus' death as paying a ransom. We are slaves to sin, and the price to free us is death. Jesus pays that debt so that we can be free. He talked about Jesus' death and sacrifice, his blood spilled as a once and for all atoning offering to God. He talked about Jesus' death as justification. We are guilty of sin, but the judge imposed the penalty on himself, Jesus, instead of us. He talked about Jesus' death as a gift of love, Jesus' arms outstretched to us, his cross becoming a bridge of love to reconcile us to God. All these ways of talking about the death of Jesus are meaningful and true. Together, they point us towards the mystery of what God is willing to do to save us. In his children's books, The Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis described the meaning of Jesus' death by describing a magic that predated creation itself. 
when someone who was innocent was sacrificed at the hands of evil. His innocence breaks the spell of sin and evil have over us. The cross of Jesus is a powerful symbol to, for Christians. What does the cross mean to you? For me, it was it's just a reminder um, that Jesus died for our sins um, and that we can have a meaningful and fulfilling life through you know, his teachings and, and the way uh, that we live based on that. I love this question, and I'm trying not to be too winded on it, but I the cross means a lot to me. Um, I was baptized uh, after confirmation when I was 12. Uh, I was married in the church in front of the cross, and both of my children have been baptized in front of the cross. Uh, Easter Sunday, seven years ago, my now husband proposed to me in front of the flower cross on Easter morning. So a lot of my life has, a lot of the big moments in my life have involved standing right in front of the cross. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons it means so much to me is because I've grown up in the church from infancy. My parents had always taken me. I started coming here to Desert Spring when I was eight, and I got involved in the choir, went through Sunday school, went up through um, junior high, senior high youth. Um, but I've also left the church twice. And I think because I've, I'm always around, I don't think a lot of people realize that. But when I was in, I believe, fourth grade, uh, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was just angry at God. And I did not want to come to church because the God that I knew did not do this to people. And I was really struggling with that. And I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to pray to a God that hurt my mom. And I wasn't sure if she was going to make it. It was a very scary time, especially being younger. And I came one Sunday with her because she really wanted me to, to come. And it was the summer before sixth grade. And our church was getting a brand new youth director. And her name was Corey, and she came up to me, and she was like, hey, are you going to be in sixth grade next year? She introduced herself, and she was, in that moment, was just so warm and welcoming that I was like, I think I'm going to give this another chance. And I started coming to youth group, and I grew right back in the faith because she was able to see this broken child that was so angry and so confused and be relatable and be open and loving in the moment when I was, I'm sure, very frustrating because I was just questioning everything. Sure. Um, and she was able to just really welcome me, me back as if I had never left. And I think that was really, really awesome. And then I left again as a teenager and I just wasn't feeling a, a spot in the church for me. And I had a lot going on in my life. And I actually didn't come back until I got pregnant with my son. I really wanted him to have a good foundation of God's love. And my husband was like, if this means so much to you, just go back. Just just try a Sunday and go back. And one of the first Sundays that I came back, there was a a slide in the slideshow that they were looking for childcare workers. And I was like, oh man, I think God's talking to me. And I came home, I told my husband, I was like, ah, I don't know. That's just a really big commitment. And I was like, if it's if it's not filled, 
I'll be open to it. And I came back another week and the slide was still there. And they said, we're still looking for those childcare workers. So I approached um, pastor after church and I said, hey, I might be interested. And in that moment, he, again, was so warm and welcoming and just drew me right back in as if I had never missed a Sunday and was like, you know, we would love to have you. And hearing that phrase, we would love to have you. I don't know if it does it for anybody else, but that just makes you feel awesome. Yeah, It just makes you feel so good. Corey had said that to me when I was a child. Pastor had said that to me when I was an early adult. And it made all the difference because now I'm here like five days a week and I can't get enough of it. And I absolutely just love where God has brought me in this life. But everything has really centered around the cross. So to me, the cross for for Jesus is just life. It really yeah. is. It really is just my life is yeah. how it represents. That's amazing. Thank you. What about you, Katie? The cross to me, sorry, means that you always have someone to talk to because recently in November, we found out my grandpa had stomach cancer and there's issues within my marriage to where talking to my husband about certain things is just not really a thing for me and yes I do have friends but at the same time I feel weird reaching out to friends and me like I need someone to talk to can you talk to me or can we just text or can I call you and we talk on the phone that's hard for me to do too even though I know most of my friends would be like yes let's talk talk to me um, my parents could be there and I know they would be there, but this was my dad's father. So for me to go to him and be like, here's what I'm struggling with would be hard. And then to go to my mom, because she's there for my dad and my dad's there for my grandma. And of course I'm not going to burden my grandma with my grief that I'm going through with my grandpa because this is her husband that she loves that she's going to lose eventually. And it wasn't just that it was, there was in January and February, my son was having bad report after bad report. So there's also that that I was having to deal with along with my daughter's not doing so great in reading. She's failing in math, just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so sometimes I felt like I had no one, to talk to. And I realized over the course of also with going through grieving, losing my grandpa, even though he wasn't gone yet, because it was a roller coaster ride of, oh, he's doing so much better. We think he's going to live to, oh, he had a chemo treatment. He's not really getting out of bed. He's not eating, drinking. So I come to learn that praying to God when I feel like I needed someone to talk to was the best way for me because I also struggle with suicidal thoughts. So if I don't talk to someone, sometimes my thoughts can really get to me. So praying to God when I feel like I just need someone to talk to when I feel like I have no one else I can, that's what the cross means to me is at least you have a friend when you feel like you have no one and it does the trick. And God can bring comfort to your heart. And I feel like you can really feel that when you pour your heart out to God and then you just sit in silence and be receptive to feeling him. I feel like you can get that sense of comfort that comes over you when you just cry your heart out to Jesus. Yeah. So 
That's what it means to me. That's great. You always have a friend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Pastor continues. He says, when I look at the cross, I see the worst of humanity and the best of God. I see what human beings are willing to do to one another. And I see what God is willing to do to save us. Thanks be to God. God bless you and stay well. Pastor Dave. A great little ending there. Wait, should we do a, a little mental health plug right now for our yeah. workshops that are coming oh, up? Absolutely, go for it. Yeah. But we do have the mental wor- health workshop coming up. And I believe it's this Sunday at 3 o'clock from 3 to 4. You are able to come in person or uh, join us via Zoom. There's a link on our church Facebook post. And there's no reservations required. Just show up and come as you are. Do we have childcare for this, Lindsay? So if you need childcare, um, just let us know, and we will absolutely make that happen for you. I think it's this Sunday and next Sunday. Two Sundays in a row from 3 to 4 p.m., uh, both, again, via Zoom, online, and in person. Yeah, and these are follow-ups to the workshops we did. We're calling them toolboxes. We're planning on giving some more information as far as what the tools you can uh, use uh, for yourself to cope, uh, but also for friends and family if they're going through a hard time or need uh, something that way as well. First one is on depression, and the second one is on anxiety, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. So you guys are welcome to show up to both in person or online. Excellent. All right, let's pray. Lord, we come before you today humbly in your spirit, hoping that you can grace us with your presence. Um, Help us with our struggles throughout the week, throughout the month. Help us to understand your ways and give us the strength that we need to continue the work for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.